Are you struggling to effectively reach your target market and drive growth for your business? Well, you need a killer go-to-market strategy that resonates with your audience and drives real results. In this episode, we'll dive into the details about crafting a winning go-to-market strategy, where we'll give practical tips and tricks to help you level up your GTM game. Are you a startup founder or CMO trying to grow your brand? There's good news, you're not the first. Our growth team is committed to learning and earning the skills and strategies high growth companies have used to build their businesses. And now, we're sharing them with you. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. Welcome to Growth Team Radio. I'm your host today, Chris Dubois, CEO at Lane Labs, and I am joined today by Mr. Matt Canard, Senior Growth Marketer here at Lean Labs. Matt, welcome back to the show. That's good to be here. I always feel like I'm an actual like radio host as I like welcome people. Like, welcome back. All right. You got the, you got the voice, you got the voice for it, but definitely Brian. face for, definitely face for radio. Yeah. <laughs> That's what we need. Um, so today we are talking about how to build a strong go-to-market strategy. Uh, we often start with definition stuff, but rather mm-hmm. than just getting into the definition of a go-to-market strategy, because I'm sure everybody's on uh, a pretty similar page to going to market, uh, let's just talk about the importance of having a strong go-to-market strategy, maybe the consequences uh, of kind of lacking in that strategy. Yeah, and maybe we and maybe we do need to talk about go-to-market just based on a conversation I had last week, just like a definition of it was like, the question was, is it when you like first officially launch your product or like, is this something that startups do? Is this something like, I feel like we should put some parameters around go to market yeah. just so people understand it's not like uh, what we're talking about. Cause typically when we talk about it, just based on how we experience it, which is through the, the get growth accelerator and the intensive, these are not startup companies. They already have a product. Um, and they're really going from a, a model where they have been very successful with like referrals and word of mouth type um, type leads and having those kind of like one-to-one conversations. And what they're looking for is yes, they need, they need some positioning some messaging help. They have a great product that, that stands out in their market. Uh, it would definitely be like a, uh, um, you know, a blue ocean type of product is the new and it's definitely new and better, um, than what's out there. But they're also in kind of that same sense, they're also looking to go from a very one-to-one or one-to-very few, um, very manual type sales process to they want to scale that and grow that. Um, so they need to have some sort of uh, a digital, digital-based funnel uh, buyer journey and all that so that the people they do talk to have already been qualified. Uh, they're not really trying to own a relationship from first touch manually own a, a relationship from first touch all the way through. Um, so I think that's how we should kind of like when we're talking about go to market, it's not like I'm launching a, my very first product and we're a team of like three people and it's a startup. It is, these are established companies with you know a product already that they have done some business. They are, they have shown some, um, some success in closing referrals, word of mouth, uh, but they're looking to scale, uh, scale up and grow and they need the positioning, the buyer journey, um, the conversion elements to, to help them do that on a one to many scale. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think that is probably a good place to start. All right. I I stand corrected, (laughs) but um, I think just viewing the, 
viewing the market as a place, not a target person, right? That like it's an immediate issue that a lot of people face. But like when we say the market will decide, it's because we're just trying to get the message out there in front of people by putting it in a market. And that's what's going to help us decide. And so the actual go-to-market strategy is how do we take everything that we're working on, that we're building, and whether it's launched or we're tweaking or we're just pushing the next campaign, how do we get it in front of people inside the market so they can actually take action? Um, I think we've kind of answered the importance just uh, just through that. Yeah, we uh, can basically, to just be very clear about it, like a great go-to-market strategy will help you do exactly what we said, scale, like scale up and, and start, you know, driving a, um, you know, driving a, a, uh, one to many digitally based, um, sales funnel because you have nailed the messaging and the positioning you are different, yeah. have differentiated yourself. And the flip side of that is a, a poor go to market strategy or no market strategy or go to market strategy is like, we say, we say it all the time, like you can waste an entire year's worth of your budget and your time and your resources um, floundering yeah. around because you didn't take, you didn't hit all the right steps. You didn't you know have all the right things in your go-to-market strategy or you just didn't do a go-to-market strategy uh, and think through these things first and kind of document them and really go through the process of like go-to-market strategy. It's less like, it's like 10% documenting things and like 90% like researching and thinking about things. Yeah. <laughs> to, to get to that strategy, to get to a place where you document it. Right. In my experience. Yeah. Well, and let's talk about your experience. Um, just just around building and executing on go-to-market strategies. Yeah. So, I mean, I was I, I, in a in a role previous to to Lean Labs. Um, the closest that I got to any kind of go-to-market strategy was being a, a brand manager uh, for, you know, in-house brand manager for a, um, a very large company in the, in the healthcare workers comp, um, workers comp mm-hmm. arena. They were very established though. Um, but we did some, you know, everyone in that space kind of offers the same, offers the same services. It's very highly right. regulated things that you have to do. So standing apart, like setting yourself apart is very hard. Um, so the closest I got really in that role was, you know, we did a whole, a whole rebrand, including core messaging and things like that. But I really wouldn't call it a pure go-to-market strategy. Um, number one, because the pandemic hit and that that role got eliminated before we really had a chance to push it out. So I didn't really get to see the the fruits of the labor too much, except for down the road, and I occasionally see it when they post it on something about it on social media, but it wasn't really a true go-to-market. So I guess my really only real experience is, um, you know, is doing it as, as a part of Lean Labs and, and through the Get Growth, Growth Accelerator, um, which for those who don't know, that is four weeks, three days, uh, three days a week, two-hour sessions where we are walking through, oh boy, help me if I forget something here. We, we go from, you know, uh, evaluating just like the the problems of your problems of your market, uh, we look at how your competitors are positioning themselves. We look at their competitive advantages, um, jobs to be done for you know for um, for your target you know for your your target audience, your ideal customer profile, which we can talk about here more in a second. Um, and it's really kind of like build build through all this, and it's like a workbook fashion, but it's like it's kind of the document. It is the thinking and the documenting part. 
of of this you know go to market strategy. Um, yep. And we we do that. I think like what once a, once a quarter, uh, multiple brands. So kind of in one to many fashion. Um, you have a workbook and there's like a main session, um, but then you have these breakout sessions with a you know, a dedicated. I don't know what do we growth coach or growth yeah. coach or whatever we want to call it. Um, who really kind of just like helps bounce ideas and kind of helps facilitate and facilitate the brainstorm, um, call out objections yeah. to like, Hey, I don't think that's, I don't think that's quite right. Um, that's really my, been my experience with that. I've done that, uh, but you know, a handful, handful of times now with some, with some really mm-hmm. great brands. Yeah. And you, you've done it even more, I think. Yeah. We've been through the, <laughs> the fun of, committing to one brand for, for four weeks and going all in on all of their marketing like stuff. Um, it is a lot of fun though, because we get, you get all that like information that would normally take, you know, months to just flush out and go figure out and talk to people and all this. But because we're in like such a tight time frame and we have these like dedicated blocks every day, it's like, we're forcing it. We're going to do this. Like make sure your homework is done for the next day so we can keep growing on and building on this. Um, that's like, but that's kind of what you need if you're gonna if you're gonna do yeah. this. Is like you need, again, you know what's why is it important to have like a strong go to market strategy? Because a weak one, like if we did our intensive, but we did not look at, uh, we didn't do a competitive landscape stuff. We didn't we focus purely on our product, which I think is a, a again with my limited experience. That's just just from what we've seen in the intensive. That's where so many of them went to. Sorry, it's just like our product is this. Our product is this. Like if we didn't do the competitive landscape analysis, you know, looking at looking at their solution, who it's best for, what problems it's, what solves, also what weaknesses it has, and then looking at their messaging, we wouldn't be able to create like yeah. a great, unique value value prop statement because we're totally oblivious to it. Is it really unique? If it's like everything else that's out there, and we don't know that much, we value our competitors. So it it really does force it. Like it's. We say four weeks and three three days a week. It's twelve. It's twelve sessions with some with some homework in there of like really forcing you to get real about about your uh, business. And when you look at some of the reviews for it, it's like it can be you know going through this process, whether it's with it's through Get Growth Accelerator or through an equivalent somewhere else, or just you find a way to do that internally. Like you're gonna have to you have to uncover some um, you're gonna have to question pretty much everything you do. And, um, it can be, it can be uncomfortable, but also the output of it is, is, uh, amazing. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk, uh, about defining your target market, ideal customer segments. Um, what are some of the steps you would go through as you're starting to build out your go to market strategy mm-hmm. in order to, uh, to get there? Yeah, I think, so let's start with, you know, a target market and like, you, know, you listen to a lot of podcasts and people always talk about the, their TAM, their, their total addressable market. And I think that like that number is good for not for marketing purposes so much as it is for like when you, if you're trying to get funding for like a product, like these are all the people who, who these are all the people who can buy our product. Like the total, it's a total addressable market. Um, I think you really have to boil it down to an ideal customer profile profiles segments um simply because like the, we we know like the more specific you can be in your marketing the better like you're the whole like there's so much messaging out there in, in, in so many places that 
it's easy. I mean, we've all seen we've all seen websites or ads that we just scroll past on LinkedIn or Twitter or whatever. Where it's just like, our uh, our such and such solution helps you optimize your workflow. It's like, who are you? Number one, how, your solution looks nothing like what I anything I would need. So why are you targeting me? And that statement, like that copy that you have, means right. nothing to me because it's not specific. So like. I get it. The TAM is used for various, you know, for various other things in a business, but marketing, it shouldn't be used for marketing, in my opinion. Um, like, okay, so it's, how do you, then how do you get to your, your target market? Like, okay, who are your, who are your happiest customers at the moment? And this is an idea that um, I had to look it up before, as we were, as I was prepping for this, I remembered it. I just didn't remember from where it's from. Uh, Obviously Awesome by April Dunford. Great positioning, yeah. uh, positioning book for anyone who wants to take a look at that. You're just talking about like who are your who are your happiest customers, and yeah. like the people that's on video. There you, go. there you go. Shout out, mine's book bookcase behind me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, who are your happiest customers, and like what common traits or what traits do they have in common? What common problems did you solve for them? Like, these are the people who you want to sell more to because they're your happiest people. They're the people who you've satisfied the most. Um, you know. Who do you wish you could sell to over and over again um, is, is one thing. And then trying to find the common characteristics. But um, you could also look at, you know, we, we, we call them in the intensive, we call them the early adopters or kind of like top triggers for, um, you know, like what's something that's happening in their situation that's happening in their work life that would necessitate them like, becoming like they they move into that they kind of move into frame for you of being like a a target you should definitely talk to and someone who's not just who can buy your solution but who would be a best fit and would be most likely to buy it if they if you're able to get your messaging in front of them so i don't know how i'm sure i've, I've left some things out there what what would you what would you say to that that question no i think i mean i think you addressed it well um I do think the one of the reasons we address like early adopters is because those are like when you read uh, Crossing the Chasm, right? Mm -hmm. Those are the individuals who are going to be more willing to take a risk and try something. And when we're looking at that um, through a growth marketing lens, we're able to take that audience. They're willing to take this risk now without anything guaranteed. They just want to be ahead. So let's get them in learn from what they do with us, collect those stories and then funnel that back into our marketing through success so that we now can address other audiences and their jobs to be done because these other people went first. Um, and so it makes it like we should look at who is our, our early adopter audience and like who, like as we're breaking up segments, right? There's more value than just saying this is a segment that would buy this type of product at this enterprise level or something. It's like, what can we actually get from them for the business within this segment? Um, yeah. Um, well, like, and to this point, yeah. you're never, I don't think you're going to have, you can have some success, but you're not going to have, like you could be good, but not great. If you did you know, some research from third party sources and, but never actually talked to anyone, you could do okay with that. Um, Oh, like, yeah, I said, talking to your happiest customers or just talking to, to customers in, in general and, and making sure that you understand why they, why they chose you in the first place and kind of what's going on in their world. Um, 
Right. You you gotta get out of the office. You gotta get out of the, out of the bubble and, and talk to people. Yeah. Well, so let's move into that. Right. So we're trying to create messaging that resonates. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're trying to nail that unique value prop. Like, what types of actions can we be taking in order to to actually flesh out that message and get in front of people to test it and um, all of that, <laughs> right? Like, I mean, mm-hmm. there's so much. We're not going to get it all in this one podcast, but uh, I'll let you take a swing. We can start there. Yeah, this is where I remember I said, you know, go-to-market strategy is like 10% documenting and like 90% researching and brainstorming. Yep. And hopefully that also means like the research part means also talking to people. Um, so like if you're developing a unique value prop and messaging that resonates with your market and, and also sets you apart, which is the whole point of the go-to-market strategy, you don't want to spend all this time only to go to market with the same messaging as everyone else. Like this is where you have to understand not every single problem that your, your IC, your ICP has, but like, what are the core, like three to maybe five at most? like core problems, you have to understand like what, like their ideal outcomes that, that they're looking for. And there's, there might be multiple problems, but there's probably in most cases, they're typically just one or two core outcomes that they're looking to influence with some some kind of like sub outcomes underneath all those. Um, Mm -hmm. Like we use the jobs to be done approach, like the social jobs to be done, the emotional jobs to be done. And on the flip side of that, like those are all the reasons that people would, you know, would want to move forward with you. Um, but like, what are the what are the things that hold them back? Like, what anxieties do they have? What, um, you know, what internal doubts do they have? You know, and doubts about themselves being ready. What doubts do they have about you? What objections do they have about you or your, um, your your solution that you have to yeah. overcome? I mean, you have to be very clear about the exact pains pains that your your product solves, your your uh, the, you know, the gains that your product uh, creates. Oh man, the competitors, alternatives, their positioning, their messaging. Um, like you, you have to be aware of like all of these things. And before you, I think before you can even try to write a value prop statement, which I mean, you're never, I don't think you're ever going to use word for word on your website. We actually had that, that question kind of came up in our last intensive. It's like, where am I going to use this? Like on my website? It's like, no, it's, it's a guiding, the guiding light for everyone in your organization to be super clear. Uh, what it is and i don't know we want to we want to talk through what our, our value our value prop statement uh uh kind of ad lib is yeah yeah do that. not ad lib mad lib yeah mad libs mad libs for business so it's like uh it's like we help target customer and then achieve or some sort of verb a yep. some sort of some sort of positive business outcome um Oh man, now I'm now I'm blanking on the rest of it. Yeah. You, you have it pulled up. I know you do. Pull it up. Um, through whatever our unique mechanism is, right? There Which is. is really the fun part. How are we going to market so that we can actually differentiate whatever we're doing? That's um, that's so what I left out. Like, what your what is your unfair advantage that no one yeah. can can count can copy? Right. Um, so they can blank as your transformation, and then we can instead of whatever the villain is. Um, cause every story needs a good villain. Um, but yeah, let's, so like using that value props, awesome and stuff. Uh, but going back to the unfair advantage, um, that's one of like the first things we're working on when we, we start the customer canvas and we're figuring out like, what are we going to be doing with this brand to help see everything? 
It's like right now, hands down, what are we doing? That is very like factually, right? That is, we don't want to say better, but like it's different than everyone else that could, we could actually use to stand out against. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's just it, funny how like the go-to is always, well, we've had this much experience or like it's our support. It's like, it's your support. Like people are buying your product in hopes that they get to talk to your support team. Like that's not how it works. <laughs> They're hoping you never have to. We've had one person, one company ever that we've actually allowed that because they were able to prove yeah. that the onboarding, it wasn't just like just support if there was an issue. It was like everything from onboarding to if there's an issue and all of that. Mm-hmm. They could prove that there was just a, right. it was like one one star ratings for customer support and onboarding across their entire industry. It's like, okay, in that case, sure. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Your, your experience, mm-hmm. who you have in-house, like who is on your Who's on your leadership team? Customer support is yep. that that's not generally. Yeah. And I liked the, the other thing you said there about being about better, like better or faster or anything where you're just adding ER to the end of it. It's like mm. that's not different. That's not different enough. Like that's right. just inviting. That's inviting like a direct comparison when you want to be seen. Typically, hopefully, in a go-to-market strategy, you are creating a wide enough chasm. In, that people are understanding that you are vastly different than anyone else who is in kind of your typical product category. I'm not saying you're going to go create a new category. It'd be great if you can, if it makes sense, but like you need to be so different and yes, also better, but you have to prove it. You can't just say better, faster, whatever. Um, so that people like, you have to be able to prove that so people can understand that there's like, hey, there's a big gap between these other people, you know, these other alternatives that are out there and this company. Like you have to, that's a core part of the of the GTM strategy is you have to drive that wedge and really, like really wiggle it around and create a whole bunch of space in there. Yep. That's why uh, any commercial for, uh, number one, it's just a pet peeve of mine with copywriting with like, so you can money better. Like when you take a, a noun and turn it into a verb, yeah. it's like, first of all, that doesn't make sense. But second of all, you're just seeing like how many big name brands just stick so you can blank better. And that's like their tagline in their mm-hmm. multi-million dollar commercial. It's like, really? Now, granted, they're not going to market, yeah. going to market and they have a lot of products, so that's different. But Yeah, it's like they, they're trying to become Google, right? Like get a... Have your your name become synonymous with whatever the noun is, like it's like verb. I saw with a pizza a pizza company, like one of the large pizza brands, is like, so you can pizza better. It's like that doesn't make sense. Come on, what are we doing here? Let's have a little more creativity, a little more, a little more thought into into compared to the shop I passed the other day. It just said, "Hey, your New Year's resolution is probably done by now. Come get some pizza." I'm like, that's a great reason. Like, I'm in there. Uh, That's an understanding of your audience right there. Right, exactly. Uh, <laughs> all right, let's talk measuring success in strategies. Yeah. Uh, a lot of metrics we can be looking at. What are kind of your go-tos to uh, determine if you're doing the right things? Yes, I mean, obviously, the the whole point, as we talked about with the go-to-market strategy, is you do all the, the positioning work, the messaging work, you do all that research, Um to again scale from a more one to one or one to very few type model to like a one to many. So 
really, you know, at a, at a tactical level, like if you're creating a lot of content to bring, you know, to bring traffic to your website, you got to look at, like, you got to look at organic traffic and search and, you know, what, you know, what assets are, are bringing that you got to look at, you know, the, the lead magnets and things like that, that are taking those visitors and turning them, you know, turning them into people in your pipeline. Um, I mean, there's, there's all sorts of kind of like asset specific things, click through rates, conversion rates, things like that on your waiting pages. But at the, at the end of the day, it's like, okay, leads in the pipeline, leads who became marketing qualified leads. So like separating, separating people out from just people whose contact information we have versus people who want to continue marketing. Mm -hmm. Cool. We've done that. SQLs. Okay. Of the people that we have continued to market to, how many of them have reached out? And when we talk SQLs for our audience, B2B. Uh, SaaS software that that SQL trigger is typically there's a demo, a meeting, some kind of one to one face to face uh, interaction happening there has been scheduled. Um, then of course, how many of those sales qualify leads turn into opportunities, and then how many deals did we win from those? And then you look at the conversion rates between those different stages. Like if you're crushing leads to MQLs, uh, let's say your MQL to SQL is not great, but you're on the opposite, on the other side of it, your SQL to opportunity is great. Like you could be creating maybe double the amount of opportunities if you took your your MQL to SQL rate. If it's like if it's like twenty percent and you got it up to you know forty percent, you know, so say two out of ten, you're four, getting four out of ten. Like those are the those are kind of like the main things, other than like the asset specific stuff. Um, right, and it definitely helps with being able to pinpoint. The actions you can take, right? If our MQL to SQL rate is low, everything else is doing great. It's like, okay, the actual sales actions we want people to take, the messaging isn't resonating here. And so, like, we know. So, like, what can we take from the MQL stuff? Like, they got them to convert in the first place. What can resonate from there that we can just move over? Like, maybe it's the offer that sucks. Like, just get someone on the call. But at least we know. And now we can, like, through the metrics. Maybe it's our, you know, like... We have we had this conversation with a client that's in the cyber in the cybersecurity space. Like we were talking about their, you know, their their demo request page. And it's like, you know, they said, I think one meeting you know, about a month ago, they're like, look, our audience knows that demo really means sales call. Yep. Like they, they know they're gonna get sold to and some of them just don't want to do that. Um it's like, okay, so then let's look at that demo page. Are we talk are we trying to sell the product? Which I think is what's happening. Or are we trying to sell the value of the call? Oh. Like I know mm-hmm. in, in a meeting earlier today, we, we talked about that with another call. Yeah. Like that's that's a that's one way to to, you know, to at least address that, or at least do a test to run a test to to address that. But um, yeah, that's basically what I look at. I mean, is you can get as granular as you want with you know all sorts of stats, KPIs, and metrics, and, and everything like that. But like. Those are those to me. If you're looking at your your you're creating content to bring people to the site, how successful is that? Is that being, or is that work? Uh, you know, is it, is it producing people to the site? Then are they are they getting in your pipeline? Are they people that we should continue talking to? Are they reaching out to talk to us? Are we in, creating a deal with it? And then are we closing that closing that deal? Uh, are really the the main ones that that I yeah. look look at and for most companies and until you get into like like oh i want to i really want to like go deep on like sales metrics so like velocity and you know all this all this other stuff 
I mean, you can do that as much as you want, but, um, I mean, you also have to know, you also have to know like your, your lifetime value. You have to be able to do some projections, uh, for like, you know, what's a, what's an MQL worth to us and, and things like that to project forward. Um, that gets, you know, that is not necessarily my strong suit, which as a marketer is probably not the best thing to say. I should probably get better at that working on it, but, uh, just, just so my boss knows <laughs> that I'm working on it, but like, yeah, that's, you can, you can get pretty down the weeds. Like just make sure regardless of, of what you're doing, just make sure that you're the KPIs and metrics that you're looking at are aligned to what's actually going to drive success for you. Not right. just what we say or what a blog on HubSpot says <laughs> to look at. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's, I guess the best. Um, yeah. I could go. Yeah. And that is a good, uh, piece of advice i think to to wrap up this call um so thank there's, you sorry, there's, for, one, there's oh. one last piece of that before we yeah. wrap up sorry yeah i know i do i do that to you a lot but like yeah always one warning thing with with metrics is that yeah. like don't try or just try to avoid looking at anything in isolation mm. like yeah. oh man we are killing the organic traffic we have been up month over month, 20% for the last five months. Sweet. What's what sales have come out of that? What right. revenue has been generated from that? What leads are in the pipeline because of that, because of that work? Like, or you can you can even go the opposite way, like, hey man, where our conversion rate from from uh SQLs to opportunities is is really awesome. It's way high. It's like, okay, but we have no one in the top of the funnel because we're not we're we're so focused on like you know, getting from mm-hmm. you know a conversation to an opportunity, you have know, to present them with pricing or proposal or whatever that kind of that trigger is, which is great that you're doing that at a high rate, but like you're gonna run out of people to sell to if you're not getting people in the top of the right. funnel. So just word of warning there on the metrics thing. Yeah. Don't don't do anything or look at anything or any like just two metrics kind of in isolation. Like just it's gotta be it's gotta be a holistic view just to make sure you're you're being well-rounded and your, your entire pipeline's looking, looking healthy and you kind of know where it all stands. Awesome. All right. That was an even better way to end it. Now, uh, now I'm done. Now I'm done. Now you can, all right. I had to confirm. Uh, all right. Thanks again for, for joining, chatting. I know I told you to be here, so uh, that's right here, but still appreciated. Um, for everyone else, thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. Make sure you never miss an episode. Until next time. This has been Growth Team Radio. Want to grow your business? Trying to find the right path to do it? Always got the answers. Go to stopscaling.com. Yes, you heard right. Go to stopscaling.com where we'll show you the exact way to grow your business this year.